0: So good to see you tonight. Y'all doing well? Good. If um, you didn't know, you came on a good night because right after service, we're going to have a little bit of a party. And so um, got a couple food trucks for you. We got some, a DJ, DJ Pauly D. His name is Paul. I'm going to call him DJ Pauly D. And, um, <laughs> and a nice little photo booth so you can take a cute pic with your special someone and uh, (laughs) make it a good night, you know? Can we uh, congratulate our two people that got baptized once again? So proud and excited for you guys. Hey, before I get into tonight, I'm going to keep it relatively short, (laughs) relatively short tonight. Uh, I want to give you kind of two announcements so that you know what's coming up soon here at C12. First one is uh, next week, November 1st. Every so often we like to do this. We're going to do a night of worship next week. So if you haven't uh, been to one of our nights of worship, we'd love for you to come. They're, they're usually really special, and so uh, it'll be a great night. We'll have a little bit of teaching in and just some different things. So just a unique night. We'd love for you to come for that uh, next week. It's going to be fun. And then also, because uh, we didn't want to have a service tonight and all of you being like Halloween costumes, because that's awkward to worship next to someone in like a, a, you know, I don't know, a wizard costume or something. <laughs> we didn't want to do that. So we're doing a little bit of a Halloween party this Saturday at somebody's house. And uh, she has graciously just said, tell everyone and bring everybody. So I don't know that she knows what she's getting into, but uh, it's going to be a good time. So, um, there are, there's some information on your bulletin, so if you need some information about where it's at, that kind of thing, make sure you grab a bulletin. Should be some more uh, out in the lobby if you didn't get one when you walked in, but I uh, believe you can dress up for that and go all out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Halloween parties. Anybody, uh, Halloween's your favorite holiday? Oh, okay. I won't tell you what I think of that, but um, I'm just kidding. Hey, can I read some scripture to you to start us off tonight? Turn to uh, Matthew chapter 23, Matthew chapter 23, and uh, there's a Bible in front of you, or if you're not interested in that, we're going to put the scripture on the screen. By the way, if you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love for you to take one uh, that we've provided there. Just take it home with you, put your name in it, make it yours, and uh, read it. We believe it'll change your life. We've been talking the past few weeks about uh, relational vampires, uh, how to love people who suck the life out of you. <laughs> and so it's been a fun few weeks, and we're going to wrap it up tonight with a category of people. I don't know if it's as much that they suck the life out of you, but if you get around them, if, if you've been around them, you just just kind of get this like, ugh, ugh, that kind of feeling. And so we're going to talk a little bit about them. But let me read the scripture first, and then we'll get into it. Matthew chapter 23 verses uh, 25 through 28. We'll read a little bit here. This is Jesus talking, and he says this. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, is what he calls them. He says, You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but the inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First, clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside also will be clean. He goes on and he says in verse 27, "Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites!" he says again. "You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean." In the same way, on the outside you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. It's a really phenomenal chapter and you can read verses before that and verses after that when um, Jesus continually kind of hits on this point. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, and he calls them Hypocrites. I don't know if you've ever uh, heard this terminology before. If you've ever, uh, someone's ever asked you, are you more of a truth guy or girl or a grace guy or girl? You ever heard that? Are you truth or grace? Like, are you black or white? This is how things are and this is how they should be. Or do you give a little bit more room for grace and that kind of thing? I don't know if, if you know who you are. I, um, I actually tend to lean more to the grace side. and I don't know if that's uh, just because of my own particular journey. But I just have a tendency to, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. And uh, I just understand that people are on a journey. I think this is something the Lord's been teaching me. People are on a journey, and just because they're not where I think they should be doesn't mean that they're outside of God's control. And uh, really, who says that where I think they should be is the right place, you know? Um, and so I just understand that. And we talked a few weeks ago about it, we did a whole series on it. But I just believe people are a work in progress. You're a work in progress, I'm a work in progress. And uh, our goal is not perfection. Our goal is progression. And so um, that's kind of where I lean into. But do you know this? The number one complaint from non-Christians about Christians, do you know what it is? Maybe if you put two and two together from the scripture we just read, it's, it's this. You may have heard it. They're all a bunch of hypocrites. You ever heard that before? They're all a bunch of hypocrites. And in fact, maybe you're here and you're not sure about your faith and someone drug you here and you're not you know, decided if you're a Christian or yet. Glad you're here. Thanks for coming. Please keep coming back. But maybe you've said the same thing. Like I'm not into this Christian thing because to be honest, every Christian I know, it just seems like they're a hypocrite. This is the number one complaint of people. And what does this mean with this hypocrite thing? What does that mean? Essentially what they're saying when they say this is uh, how they live their life How they're living their life does not align necessarily with what they claim to believe. Just put it in simple terms. That's pretty much what it is. How they're living their life isn't aligning with what they claim to be. So they're claiming to be this Christian, uh, this Jesus follower, and yet if you watch their life, it doesn't really look like that of someone uh, who is a Jesus follower. And to that, I would respond in two ways. One is I would say, let's chill just a little bit because um, actually the entire like, point of me saying that I'm a follower of Jesus is actually me raising my hand and going, hey, I'm not perfect and I can't be perfect. And so I need someone to stand in the gap for me to make a way for me to God. And that person is Jesus who did come and live a perfect life. And so really, the essence of Christianity is me saying, I don't have this figured out. And in fact, I'm going to mess up and I'm not perfect. And so I need a perfect savior to come in my place. So there's that response. But on the same end, there's this response of, yeah, I, I actually completely agree. Like, this is a problem when you have people who are claiming the gospel of Jesus and the truth of the scriptures. And I'm a follower of Jesus. They claim that as their identity. And yet, as you study scripture, the life that Jesus has called us to live, they're not doing that. They don't. So there's there's like misalignment. Do you understand? I think probably the best example, I was thinking about this earlier today, um, I love I, I enjoy secular music, so I'm not saying all secular music is bad. I, I enjoy me some good pop music, you know. I don't is that an actual genre? Pop music is such a weird word, but pop music, uh rock music, rap music. I, I enjoy I enjoy all of it. But um one of the things that I just find really humorous is when uh an artist is given an award and it's obvious that their music is not I won't even say Christian, it's, it's obvious that it's not honoring to God, it's obvious the things that they talk about, uh, they're not a follower of Jesus, it's just obvious that, and then they get up, and what do they say as soon as they accept the award, just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you know, and they go into that, and I love it, and I understand they're on a journey, and God's got them, and God's love for them is, is, is you know, reckless, it's amazing. But I just have to go, I think there's, there's some misalignment here because what you're talking about in the songs and yet what you're claiming, they don't quite match up. Do you understand what I'm saying? So once again, we're in this like middle tension of I understand and I, I am grasping onto this fact that I'm a work in progress and that I don't have this all figured out and I'm not perfect while also wanting my life, desiring that my life look like how Jesus wanted his followers, his, their lives to look. And we sit kind of right in the middle of that. And when you see someone who is claiming to love Jesus, but their life doesn't mirror that of someone who loves Jesus, it's tough, isn't it? It's tough because I, sometimes it's hard to know what to do. Do I just trust that they're in progress and God's got them and in his timing he's going to lead them and he's going to speak to them and he'll draw them near? Do I just do that and just pray for them? Or do I have a role in this? Like, or do I speak up and say, hey, I love you, and and there's just something off. Like there's misalignment here with what you're saying you believe and how you're actually living. And so whether it's, you know, the the guy who loves Jesus a lot at church, but then on the weekend loves to get hammered and fool around with girls, that's a misalignment. Or maybe it's the 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 girl who who is all about it in small group like what god's doing in her life but then she also likes to brag about the clothes that she stole from the mall it's like there's a misalignment or maybe it's the boss that at church your boss you see hands lifted worshiping and yet he treats his employees like crap and has absolutely no integrity at all in how he runs his business I, I'm sure you have your own example of someone you've experienced that just lived this kind of difference in their life, but I think we've all encountered it in some way, shape, or form. So the question is, is what is your role? If you're a follower of Jesus and you know someone and, and they have this kind of difference in what they're claiming and how they're living, what do you do in the situation? Do we just pray for them, keep quiet? Or do we step in? Because as followers, as believers, we're not expecting perfection out of each other. But I think it is okay for us to expect that we all have a desire for our life to align with what we're saying we believe. I think that's fair, right? For all of us to just expect, hey, if you're going to claim this, kind of expect that you have at least a desire for your life to align with the scriptures. So what I want to do is I want to build a foundation Real quickly, and then we're going to talk about how we are to love uh, these type of people that, that you may call hypocrites. So if I know someone where there appears to be alignment, what do I do? First thing, uh, first thing I would encourage you with is this. It's the possibility that maybe they don't really know God. I think I would ask the question, why are they acting like that? Why are they acting like this? Because if you can understand why they're acting like that, then you can understand how to approach it. And there's several reasons for why they would act like that. I want to give you three tonight. But the first one is maybe they don't really know God. Like it's possible that they've just never been spiritually born anew. Because you and I both know you can go to church, you can talk Christianese, you can do all the right things. You can look like a Christian and even say you're a Christian, but really have never experienced the life-giving, the transformation that happens when you surrender your life to Christ and you receive his forgiveness for your sins and you surrender yourself to him, much like these two people have that we saw get baptized tonight. There's a big difference in just saying you're a Christian and saying you know God and actually being genuinely transformed by the grace of Jesus. So it's possible that maybe they don't really know God. This person doesn't need correcting. What they need is salvation. That person, if they don't really know God, they don't need your correction. What they really actually need is they need the salvation of Jesus. The second thing that may be true about them is maybe they just don't know any better yet. I think that's okay Let's give some people a little bit of grace. Perhaps they just don't know better yet. Why are they behaving this way? Maybe if they're new to faith, they haven't been taught what it means to be a person who follows Jesus and how that person is supposed to look and live and act and treat others. Maybe they're just so new to faith that they haven't gotten to that point yet. In 1 Corinthians chapter three, uh, Paul says this to a group of Christians. He says, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit But I had to address you as people who were still worldly. You were just a mere infant. He uses that word, you were an infant in Christ. Meaning you're just a babe in faith. You're just so new and fresh to faith. So you've been forgiven, you've been changed by Jesus, but you just haven't really grown up and matured. I think we have to give room for people to be in that space, right? This person doesn't need correcting, This person just needs instructing. And so you have to understand if maybe that's where they're at. If you can understand where they're at and why they're behaving like they're behaving, then you can know how to approach them. I'll never forget um, a few years ago I was kind of like a chaplain to a a football team. And so just a wide range, you know, different kinds of people and and different walks of faith. And and, um, I got a chance to lead these two guys to Christ. Like they were brand new to faith. So they became Christians because of this Bible study we were doing. And so I decided that I was just going to kind of meet up with them and try and help them and and pray with them and that kind of thing. And so you got to remember, these guys are brand new to faith, didn't grow up in church, really don't know anything about faith, but they gave their lives to Christ, surrendered to him. And so now they're on this journey. And I'll never forget the first time that I prayed with them. I said, all right, guys, let's pray. They said, pastor, pastor, maybe you should just pray for us. I said no guys this is a part of being a follower like you get to have communication with your heavenly father it would be unbelievable let's do it why don't you pray and I'll never forget this guy starts to pray and he, and he literally just begins to go uh God I just pray that you would uh watch over us as we party after the game this weekend uh and, he, and I'll never forget he literally said just uh help no one to get alcohol poisoning. And, and, just, and then the next thing he said blew my mind. And he said, and God, help, uh, just help my girlfriend not get pregnant. And he said, I just really don't need that right now. And so would you just kind of, you know, make sure that doesn't happen? <laughs> and I just kind of smiled and laughed like you're doing. But I just, that person, he doesn't need correcting. just needs some instruction right? Just doesn't know better yet. We got got to give a little bit of grace and, and room for people who are in that phase of faith where they're still just very new and they don't know and we have to help them through that. The third kind of category that they may fall into is this. Maybe they do know better, but they still disobey God. Maybe they do. Maybe they have been walking with Jesus for some period of time and maybe they actually do know better and, and maybe they know the scriptures and what Jesus says about what a Christ follower should look like but for some reason or another they willfully disobey God and Peter addresses this this way in first Peter chapter two he says this he says for you are free you've been forgiven by Jesus yet you are still God's slaves. It's interesting wording there. He says, you're free. You've been forgiven by Jesus, yet you are still a slave of God. He said, you're still his servants. And then he goes on, he says, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. And what he's saying is is you've been free. free. You're free from the eternal consequences of your sin. You've been set free from that. But because of that, you have linked your life with God and therefore you have said that he is your Lord and Savior. So it didn't just save you, but now he's your Lord, which means you come under his rule and his reign. And now I'm following him and what he says goes. And what he tells me and how he tells me to live, that's what I want to follow. So he says, don't forget, you're free, but you're still a slave to God. So don't use freedom as an excuse to do evil. I don't know if you've ever talked to someone who maybe has said something like, um, well, it's okay what I do because God's gonna forgive me anyway. Well, it's it's okay. I know that wasn't the best decision or I know that wasn't what God wanted for me, but good thing he forgives me. Right? Peter tells us don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. So let's get real practical. What should you do if someone you have a relationship with falls into that third category someone who knows better this is someone that you know knows better someone who knows the life that they've been called to and yet they willfully disobey god what is your role is it our business should we be confrontational or should we just pray like crazy should we get all up in their business Where do we fall in this whole scheme of things? Well, I want to read some scripture to you tonight and encourage you that you do have a part to play and that it actually is your responsibility to step in and help this person. But I want to first tell you that if you get into this kind of situation, that you must absolutely bathe it in prayer. If you don't like that word bathe, I understand. Soak it in prayer. You must absolutely soak that conversation, that relationship in prayer. I would encourage you, please do not go into any conversation where you are going to uh, potentially call somebody out without praying over that first. But I want to read to you some scripture in Galatians chapter 6. This is uh, Paul again, and he says this. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. You should restore that person gently. So I want to encourage you tonight as you bathe that whole situation and that conversation in prayer with a few different things that I would encourage you to pray. Number one is this pray, God, help me confront with a heart to restore. Help me confront with a heart to restore. What does it mean to restore? It means to bring back or to make whole again. Your heart should be to restore somebody, to bring back to God's original purpose and how he created them and to do it gently and humbly. I think those are the most important words in that whole scripture, to do it gently and humbly. I love another version of that scripture translated this way. This translation says, If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. That's your role. That's your role, is to help very gently and very humbly to help that person onto the right path. Because what's happened? Well, they've wandered off the path and you get to help them get back. This statement helps me remember my role, and it's this. You are not the judge. You are the guide. You have to remember that you are not the judge, but you do get to be the guide. That's important. I'm trusting that this person that we're talking about, whoever it is that you have this conversation with, number one is that you love them dearly, and you care about them. And that's why this is a concern to you. That's, it wouldn't matter to you if you didn't care about this person, right? And so your role is not to be the judge. It's not to decide, you know, if they're right and wrong. And it's not to just pour all this, like, condemnation on them. Your role is to simply be a guide to help them back to the right path. Your goal is not to be right. Your goal is to help them be right with God. And that's important. You don't need to be right in this. Your goal isn't to puff yourself up and say, look at me, Uh, you're wrong and I'm right. I'm the judge. I'm the guide. No, Your, your role is to gently and humbly guide them back to the right path. We restore gently and humbly. I think this is the beauty of the body of Christ. This is what you have come into tonight, and what you come into when you get into a church, and as the more that you get involved into a church, what you do is you surround yourself with people who love you and care about you so much that when you get off on the wrong path, which we all do at some point, when you get, you have people around you that go, hey, 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 come on back, come on back. That's, I, I need this. I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe you're more spiritual than me. I need this in my life. That was a joke. You cannot be that spiritual. We all need this. We need this in our lives. I need someone to come alongside me and go, bro, I've just noticed recently, like, anger in your life has just really elevated, and as we talk, you just have this, like, anger toward other people or whatever, and, dude... Come on back, man. That's that's not what God's called you to. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. Come on back. Get on the right path. I need people like that in my life. You need people like that. That's the beauty of what you have here. And you are that person to someone in this room. You should be that person to someone. And what that requires is each and every one of us take a humble posture to go, you know what? I need people to correct me when I'm wrong. I need people to go, hey, 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 come on back come on back. You need people like that in your life, don't you? The problem is when we all get too puffed up and we get offended by people who step in and go, man, I've noticed this about you lately. I think you need to come on back. I think you need to come on back. This is the beauty of the body of Christ. This is the beauty of the church and what you get to be a part of. And that's why usually when you see people go off the path a little bit, It's because they've isolated themselves or they've isolated themselves on purpose because they know they're off the path. They don't want to be around other Christians. They don't want to be around the church because this is what the church does. We help each other and we guide each other back to the right path because this is the heart of God. The second thing I would encourage you to pray is this. God, help me to confront carefully. Not only do I want to confront with a heart to restore, but help me to confront very carefully. And I'll go back to that scripture in Galatians chapter 6. It says this, If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. What does that mean? Watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. This is what it means. You have to be very, very careful Because the moment you put yourself in a uh, posture of correcting someone is the moment that you become more vulnerable to pride. It's really the moment that you step into a place where it's very easy for you to puff yourself up and to go, I would never fall into that. I would never be like that person. I've never gone off that far from the path. That person went far. Right? It's the moment that you become more vulnerable to pride. And so the scripture says, be very, very careful, because what do we know about pride? It says that pride cometh before the fall. And so be very, very careful, because the moment that you step into a situation where you are uh, confronting and perhaps correcting someone is also the moment that you step into a situation where you could become more vulnerable to pride and then actually fall yourself. And you don't want that. I don't want that. So how do we do this? How do we confront carefully and with a heart to restore? I want to read to you what Jesus tells us to do in Matthew chapter 18. And maybe you've heard this before, so this is just a review. But for some of you, I know this will be brand new information, and so I've been praying that it will be helpful to you. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus actually gives us very specific instructions, starting in verse 15. He says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, then tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, then treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. What, this, what does this mean? I don't know. Maybe if this is a new scripture to you, then let me help you out with it. The first thing you need to know is this. When it says brother or sister, what it's referring to is another Christian. So if another Christian falls into sin and is off the path, you could say, then it tells us to go to them one-on-one and point out their fault. So first thing is this, we're not concerned with people who are not Christian. When I say we're not concerned, what I mean is like, we're not going to go to a non-Christian and be like, hey, you shouldn't be living that way because the Bible says you should be living this way. That's silly, right? They're not Christians. They don't fo- they're not claiming to be followers of Jesus. So our job for them is just to love them like crazy the way that Jesus loves them and believe that our testimony and through the power of God that one day they're going to go, man, I'm kind of interested in this thing that you have that I don't have, right? That's our goal with them. But it says brothers or sisters, so if a Christian, a fellow believer, falls into sin, then your job is to confront them one-on-one. What that means in the Greek is that you don't go on Twitter and... uh, attack them on Twitter. What it doesn't mean is you don't go on Facebook and get in like a commenting war with uh, calling someone out. Listen, that is absolutely embarrassing to all Christians across the world, so please do not do that. The scripture clearly tells us you approach them one on one. I think you would say, and I would say too, I would like someone to confront me one on one, wouldn't you? I don't need someone to call me out in front of everybody else or on a social media platform for everyone else to see. No, a one-on-one I would respect much greater, wouldn't you? And so your job first is to go to them one-on-one. And then it says, if they don't listen, then you are to bring a couple of people. So Get you one or two people that have also been praying about this, bathing it in prayer, saturating in prayer, that also love this person, and then come as a group and say, Dude. We just keep seeing this in you. We keep seeing this pattern of life that you're in. We keep seeing uh, this thing come up in you and it's not aligned with what Jesus has called us to live like. And we, because us, we love you and we care about you. We want what's best for you. We want what God wants for you. Man, we are trying, let us help you, guide you back to the path. Would you let us help you do that? And it says, if they resist that, then you are to bring some sort of like leadership from the church into the conversation. So maybe it's a small group leader or a discipleship leader, or maybe it's a pastor that you bring into the conversation. And listen, all of this is because you deeply care about this person and you deeply want to see their life align with what they've been called to because you know that their best life, their best life lies within how Jesus has called them. To live. And then it says finally, if they still don't listen, then you are to treat them as a tax collectors or as pagans. And what that means is essentially you are to redefine the relationship. Say, listen, I love you so much and I'm here for you and I want what's best for you, but I have to draw a line in the sand with our relationship. And I can't continue to watch you live a hypocritical, disillusioned life without any repentance or a desire to change. And so we're going to have to make some changes. That's how scripture lays out how we are to approach someone and handle someone who isn't aligned uh, with scripture. And so that may sound harsh to you, but I promise you it's not harsh. It's the loving way to confront someone with a heart to restore. And then thirdly, I would just encourage you with this to pray this, God, help me see when I'm the hypocrite. God, help me see when I'm the hypocrite. Because Jesus calls the hypocrites blind fools. He says they're blind to. In other words, hypocrisy is really difficult to see in the mirror. Sometimes it's, Easy to see on other people, but if we're honest, it's really difficult to see in the mirror. I have a hard time seeing it on myself, and I think you probably have a hard time seeing it on yourself as well. And that's why we need people. That's why we need people in our life who can call us out and then call us in to the right path. Call us out and call us in, because it's so easy to point it out in someone else, but it's difficult to see in our own life. I truly believe this, that it is my own realization of how I am prone to wonder, of how I am prone to hypocrisy, how I can stand up on stage and preach something and then go home and do the opposite and sometimes not even know it. And I need someone else to go, what are you doing? What are you doing? Guys, if you're honest I hope this is an honest place. Maybe I've gone too far. I struggle. I think if you're honest, you would say that you do too. But my desire, more than anything else, is to align my life and how I live with how Jesus has called me to live. And oh, how I pray that God would show me when it's me who's the hypocrite when it's me. And oh, how I pray that God would put people in my life who would have the courage to call me out and then to lead me back in. The Bible refers to us as sheep. This is uh, not a great comparison. (laughs) Sheep are stupid and uh, sheep wonder. And the enemy is so clever. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And sometimes he will just give you a little bit of a whisper, and he'll say, hey, little sheep, look over here. I know you're heading this way with the group, and I know you got a good shepherd, and things are safe with him. And he's heading you in the right direction. But just look over here. Look at this. Look at this green pasture. Look at this over here. And he'll whisper that in your ear, and each and every one of us is prone to wonder. But hear me out just because a sheep wonders doesn't make them a wolf. I think what we tend to do sometimes is we see someone who's wondering and we demonize them. And all of a sudden, they become a wolf like they're the enemy. And how dare them, like, misrepresent the name of Jesus. And I get it, and it's serious, and we should take it serious. But hear me out. There's still a sheep who needs guidance. And I think the cool thing is that you and I get the chance to come alongside them and say, let me guide you back. Let me guide you back to the good shepherd. In James chapter 5, it says this. It says, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is what you and I get to do. We get to be that person who just says, hey, I know you've wandered over here, but let me me just help guide you. Let me just help guide you back. I'm prone to wonder too. Listen, I go off astray too, and I need you to help me in my life. But this is what I see right now in your life, and this is, I'm afraid that it's not aligning with what I've read in Scripture and what you know to be true in Scripture as well. So let me, let me just guide you back to the right path. And we have to get this right. We have to learn to confront with a heart to restore and a heart that is caring And so I hope this is helpful to you. I wanted to give you some practical steps to go, hey, this is your role. And we get to be this for each other. And it requires some courage. It requires stepping out and going, okay, I'm going to have this tough conversation. But we get to be this for each other. More than anything else, I hope that you would raise your hand and say, I need people like this who will do this for me. I need people who are willing to call me out and call me back in. And I would gladly accept it. So I want to pray for us tonight. I want to pray for you that one, that you would pray that God would reveal to you whenever you're being the hypocrite and two, that um, God would give you the courage to be uh, the kind of person who guides someone back to the right path. Father, I thank you that you are the good shepherd. I thank you that um, even when we have gone off the path and we have wandered astray, that uh, you leave the 99 to go after the one and that you have gone after me a thousand times and you will continue to go after me when I wander. And Lord, that's true about each person in this room as well, that you will go after them. I thank you that that's who you are. And Lord, I do pray for the person who maybe is just... um, realizing tonight that, you know, I'm, I think I'm the hypocrite. Father, I pray that you would lead the way and just so gently and humbly, uh, God, that you would bring them back and that you would restore them. Father, I know how exhausting it is to uh, live a life that you know is not aligning with how God's called you to live. And so, Lord, if there's someone in this room who knows that, who's walking through that, Lord, I pray that you would put just such a displeasure and, uh, Lord, make them so uncomfortable with what they're doing and, and how they're living, and that they would run to you, a father with open arms just waiting to receive them. And, God, make us a group who is um, willing to be called out and led back in and courageous enough to have a tough conversation when we need to call someone out and lead people back in. Lord, give us the wisdom to know how to do that gently and humbly. Lord, we need your help in this. It's not easy. But make us more like you is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.